to another episode of Palsies with Palsies. I'm the Palsy Justin Hancock. And I am the original Palsy, Rebecca Mitz. Oh, the dimension that we've crossed over again. <laughs> That's yeah. right, folks. It's an old school Palsies with Palsies episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll be going over. I'll, I'll be complaining about Facebook comments. Uh, and how I continue to read them even when I shouldn't. <laughs> no, I no, I'm I'm filling in for other Rebecca, as uh, you know, we're basically the same person with slight variants. So <laughs> yes, I I ask other Rebecca, do you want to record on day one of your vacation? <laughs> and she rolled her eyes so hard at me, they came out of her head back into, or went into my head and back into her head. <laughs> Actually, that's not true, and that would be really creepy. So <laughs> let's not play with that. It was yeah. a lot. I'm glad you went a full, like, 10 seconds describing it and realized by the end of it, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to keep saying it, but I am going to commit to finishing this. Yeah, yeah. This is the kind of top quality audio content our listeners expect. Mm -hmm. You'll find there's very little change. <laughs> well, that's that's good to know. I'm glad I'm glad Becca's keeping you in check. But. Truly, I am thrilled to get to hang out with the OG Rebecca um, while um, Rebecca Marin Anderson, our intrepid uh, co-host, is on a break and on vacation. I texted Mitch and said, do you want to do this? And she's like, yeah. And um, so here we are. Rebecca Mitz, how are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing better because now because I just finished my summer semester of my master's program. And you're getting your master's in uh, Education. what? Education. Yeah. With the intent of going uh, back into the classroom? Yes, with the intent of becoming a general education teacher uh, in elementary. Now, you have done, you've done a number of things in the religious education yeah. sphere. You were, you were doing that as we uh, began the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we we really want to do a general like catch up, and our, our listeners are really gonna hear us pal around for about thirty minutes. Uh -huh. uh, but I was telling you off air uh, that I really want to get your perspective on what it's like to study uh, to be a teacher these days. Oh yeah. But I kind of want to start with. Is there any similarity between what you what you've had as your previous experience and what you're you're learning now or what you're endeavoring to do with what you're learning now? 
Does that make sense? Yeah. So when I did substitute teaching, um, I mean, substitute teaching, you're kind of coming in and you're just uh, doing whatever the teacher has left you to the best of your ability. <laughs> And squint at any kid that's like, no, I'm definitely the kid that's supposed to be sitting at this particular desk, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, but, <laughs> but in my, uh, uh, so teaching in the religious realm, children's ministry coordinator, Sunday school teacher, that sort of thing. Um, I will say that there's not a lot of outside help when it comes to those things a lot of times I know that you can go to school and I think you can get like a degree or a get ordained like within youth ministry I think that is possible mm -hmm. um, but churches the what I have just found is churches often don't look for that necessarily like that's exciting if they if you have that but they're they're more likely to hire you if you have any vague interest in children <laughs> and uh you come in you're like i've i have held a child before i've read the bible um and they're like great <laughs> get on in here um and you sort of have to, if you do that and you want to make a job out of it, not just, you know, sure, I'll teach a Sunday school class. Uh, you, uh, you, you really have to be coming up with the stuff. You really have to, uh, I found that most churches, unless something goes wrong, they're not checking on you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's a huge difference because then I'm getting into a class and says school for education. And it's like, okay, here are all the ways that you're connected. Here are the standards you have to follow. You're going to have, and if you don't follow them, they're going to get on you. They're going to be with other people. These are the connections you're going to be making. Like it's a, it's very involved. The licensing process, like if you're going to become a teacher, you have to get a license and you have to figure out what that means for each state. And like I don't tech, I do not need to get a master's to become a teacher. I can just, I could just go through the licensing program, but um, I'm really glad I'm going through the master's program because, whew, this, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I'm learning that I would much rather learn in a classroom first than go into a classroom yeah. and realize that stuff. Uh, on the front, on the front range, essentially, <laughs> like yeah. the front line. So essentially you would like to learn it from the student side of the desk rather than the teacher side of the desk. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I would much rather want to learn about, for example, um, the two classes that I had this summer were exceptional learners. So focusing on special education and interventions, PBIS, um, RTIs, that kind of thing. Um, the, the various, the diverse group of students you're gonna, with different uh, um, physical, cognitive um, yeah. things, uh, whether they have a learning disability or 
a physical disability, like just all the different students you're going to be encountering and how do you serve them best? Um, and then also had health and safety, which covered anything between uh, how to teach kids how to eat well and um, school, like school shootings. So like that's the range that got crammed into one summer. So there's a lot that I Woof. I know. And so again, I would much rather be learning all that stuff in a class in the in the classroom as a student as opposed to going in and not necess and having to learn that as I'm already teaching a group of students. Now, there were a couple of uh, abbreviations you mentioned for oh. your exceptional student class. For our listeners that are not um, in the education field and our hosts that are not in the education field, um, quick and dirty, what are those What are those letters you just threw at us? Um, so PBIS stands for Positive Behavior Interventions and Supports. Uh, so that would be like, so it's like a way of creating an environment in a school that is creating an environment that encourages positive behaviors, that is supporting students. It's essentially a way to say like, we're going to work at preventing uh, behavioral issues ahead of time or meet them, meet the student where they're at, uh, connect with that student right away, have them, if they have issues, uh, that we can immediately start restoring them back into the community as opposed to isolating them, kicking them out of school. Like it's more like, okay, how do we integrate you back into a uh, community with other students? Sure, sure. Um, RTI is, um, is response to intervention. So that RTI is essentially a way in which you, you might see a kid that's like, okay, for their grade level, they are really struggling with, let's say reading. So then you have different tiers of intervention, like seeing, okay, does the student respond better if I come in and I'm doing one-on-one -on -one reading with them after school or during class? And if they're not responding to it um, in a way that matches like okay that they, that's all they needed if they need more then you go to like tier two and tier three um and that's a way for like the general education teacher to start intervening a little um and getting some outside stuff before essentially if rti is not what that student needs then that's when you might reach out to the special education teacher you might reach out to other specialists and say okay this student is not um the interventions that we're doing are not um helping them and they need more something more special, more specialized help. Sure. Like, yeah, like a individualized education plan and stuff like that. So there's <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. So uh, PWP listeners, make sure you contact Rebecca's <laughs> teachers and tell her that she got a gold star on this random uh, <laughs> terminology pop quiz. I was suddenly giving her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it, I, yeah, this, this podcast is actually me practicing for uh, <laughs> future finals. 
but I I really do think that I'm I'm fascinated by this. I don't know that our listeners know, but you were raised by a teacher, uh, <laughs> woman who taught kindergarten for years, and you uh, have substitute experience. And as we have said, uh, substitute experience in the public classroom and religious uh, education history. My mom was an administrator and a teacher for 35 years, and my wife's mom was a uh, teacher for uh, in the in the middle school realm for almost that long. So education is um, all around us. Yeah. My, the joke that I'm sure you and I have shared on the show before is, I can especially around, around Halloween and Christmas, I can spot a teacher from seventy yards. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> We all uh, we all dress the same. <laughs> um, I'm not so, even teaching yet, and I <laughs> you, you, just, you walk in on day one, and they're like, "Hey, get this kind of binder, this kind of you know computer, mm-hmm. maybe notebook, and here's your teacher sweater, uh-huh. and maybe maybe your." Uh, leggings or jeans for Fridays. There you go. You got your your wardrobe and your uniform on there. Um, In conjunction with that, I will say, my <laughs> brother-in-law, the last the last couple times I've seen him, he's looked at me and been like, "You look like a teacher." Like, I, and I'm like, I'm not even intentionally dressing like quote unquote like a teacher, but I step back and I'm like, I do look like a teacher. Like there's mm-hmm. something about the outfits that I'm wearing that have like, like getting big clunky jewelry and like big old button downs and stuff. The haircut that I'm, I occasionally support. So it's like, it's happening. <laughs> the transformation so, has begun. So I do, I really want to be gentle and not fall into the, the stereotype um but i am legitimately wrestling with a question um of essentially there's so much going on in our mm-hmm. culture and everything we hear from the, this is just my perception from news around the educational space mm-hmm. and from friends who have been teachers before um why now Becca what what drew you to doing it now and wanting to go back into the classroom and what I believe stereotypically right now is seen as a really challenging time to be a public educator babe that's not an out of babe it is an out about question you can tell me nope not not ready for that yet but i'm curious um i think i fought entering the education realm proper like i've always skirted it right like i've helped mom i've done substitute teaching i've done religious teaching that kind of thing um done like camp counselor stuff, you know, uh, 
I mean, I even was a preschool teacher at the church that I was also the minister at. I'm not minister, sure. the children coordinator. And, but, and I really enjoyed that, but I think I always skirted around the actual entering into the secular educational world because I knew how hard it was. Um, I mean, my mom worked at a Title I school. I, um, it, and I think as I got older, I could see like, wow, my mom puts in a lot of care and working with these kids and teaching them and also loving them at the same time and trying to advocate for these kids and advocate to the parents for the parents that maybe don't know what, you know, <clears throat> how do they provide for their children and stuff in terms of like uh, resources and systems and what specialists do we talk to? Who do we, well, you know, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I knew, and I know this about myself, especially as I've gotten older, is I think I was like, that looks really hard emotionally. And I think I knew that would be hard because I was like, because if I get into it, I'm not going to do, I'm going to be like my mom. I'm not going to be able to go in there and be like, all right, I'm, I'm here at eight and I'm going to leave at four. <laughs> and then I'm not going to think about it until I come in the next day. I'm, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to start caring a lot. I'm going to start planning mm -hmm. a lot. I'm going to be like, okay, this didn't work for this kid. How do I adjust the rest of my lessons to fit that? Like I could provide for every other student and this one student that like, ugh. Mm. so like, I think I knew that it was going to be hard because if I put myself into it, I was going to invest a lot of myself into it. And so funnily, the older I got, the more I realized that about myself. And then suddenly I kind of hit a spot of like, I can't keep running away from it just because I know that it's going to be hard. Yeah. Because I was finding that nothing else was felt as fulfilling. Yeah. Um, and I just uh -huh. think teaching kids is so important. Yeah. Um, and I just was not, I, and I was like, you know what? I would rather be in a job that's hard that doesn't pay crazy well, but would be stable living because everyone, every spot needs a teacher. Um, then to not do it that way. Um, so I just, I just finally, I just happened to like give into that, the call at uh, what is potentially one of the hard, I mean, one of the harder times to be a teacher if only because it's currently there's a ton of stuff going on. Yeah. In the states uh, about it. No, and I, I, it sounds very similar to the journey I had to the Julian Way. Mm. Um, I was doing a number of things that were almost it in college ministry and things, and I've told people recently. I could go back to college ministry tomorrow and be reasonably happy, mm -hmm. but not as happy as I could be doing what I'm doing. Um, but 
you kind of resisted going into the education space. Just as I did the Julian, the disability theology and ministry space, just until it became so compelling that you couldn't do anything else. Is that, that's what I'm hearing. Is that, yeah. am I hearing a reasonably accurate echo yeah. there? Yeah, I feel as if I realized. It, I could do a lot of other things, but I don't think anything else will fit me better. Sure. That I won't fit into another spot quite as well. And that's like, it's almost as if I knew that once I started, I wasn't going to stop. Like, <clears throat> and that's, that, that's frightening. I think when you're like, I know me. And if I get in there, but yeah, but yeah, at some point it became like, you know what? I do think this is too important to not pursue it. I think it's too in line with who I am as a person. I think I could grow a lot doing this thing mm -hmm. and I could do some good, I, you know, and um, do good at it. <laughs> So. Sure. So I think one of the reasons once we found out, once we kind of set this up, which to be honest, um, I've been at a conference all week and realized about Wednesday that we had no show planned for um, this coming up Friday when they drop. And I was like, let's call the let's get the old band back together <laughs> uh but as after you said yes i said you know i think education um and someone who is studying to be an educator in this very interesting and as you've stated like consequential time within the states and it really doesn't matter what state you're in as far as in the united states yeah, it's all consequential right now. Um, but let's delve into the topics that are like most germane to palsies with palsies. Yeah. And I'll let you take them in whatever order you want. And you can, of course, uh, leave one by the uh, wayside if it doesn't suit. But I'm interested in you have of course we have a relationship and a friendship and a found family dynamic um and one of the things that was central to that is very early on you were just sort of like cool with my disability and very and very like here for whatever that presented to our friendship and some really bananas ways early on. Yeah. Um, and I, I, but I'm, I'm curious as to, as you've learned about it and as you have taken like 
us being friends and your education. I'm not. I'm not solely responsible for you being a good <laughs> future educator. Kids with disabilities. I want to make that very clear. My slice of that pie is very thin. Um, but as you prepared to be a an educator in these times, do you find yourself really wanting to pay attention to, to the the different kids, the kids that might have more learning challenges or disability related challenges? Yeah. So I had a class this summer called Exceptional Learners, and that was focusing on um, students that have disabilities, um, have need interventions, um, have different disorders. And I mean, they really went through it. They go, they, so there are things that I came in knowing, right? Like mm -hmm. you should have, there are accommodations that schools should provide for students that need accommodation, whether it's um, accessible bathrooms, whether it's um, longer test times, whether it's um, visual aids, whether it's like hearing uh, aids, those sort of things. Like there are certain things that should just be provided as needed. And then, um, and I think I knew that. I mean, I knew that. Uh, and I think I really learned that. I take take a credit for your pie, Justin. I do think through just our just our friendship, like me realizing, oh, like like there's specific things. Like you can't just say, well, we have like accommodations, quote unquote. But like the something that would be accommodating for you, such as a doorway that you don't have to like do like the star wars like it has to be the one spot on the death star directly down the middle like <laughs> as you're being shot at they can't like a doorway that you can just go through without fearing for your life um versus like an accommodation for a student that might have adhd or autism uh autism and they might need visual aids like they're like to look at a schedule and see everything, right? Like that, those are two very separate accommodations. Um, yeah. And so like me realizing, oh, it needs to be like for this, which is so common sense, but so like when I, because I've lived as an able-bodied person and didn't even like think to myself, like I could, you can ask for things. <laughs> like you should be advocating asking. Um, but I think through you, I realized specific accommodations were necessary. And then in this class, how specific it can get, because they tell mm -hmm. you like all the different things and all the things you're expected to do for your students and the people mm -hmm. you can connect with. And, and yeah, I, I got in when I was in this class and even before, 
like I think students that have disabilities and students that have have more specialized needs should be integrated and not separated. Mm -hmm. And so I don't necessarily know if I would pursue to be a special education teacher or more specialized, though that could be a possibility because I really, I love working with all types of kids and I had, my mom almost went into that. She almost became a special education teacher. Um, sure. But I, also like the, I, I also want to be someone that is a classroom that says, I want these kids in here with everybody as much mm -hmm. as possible. How do we do that so that we all figure out that we're all people and like this student deserves, has the right to be in here with us. Yeah. And they, they can teach us as much as they can learn from us. Yeah. Um, you know, and for them to come in and say, I have a specialty in art or like I'm crazy good with numbers, like whatever, like yeah, and not and so that there's not this feeling of like, well, they they have a dis this student has a disability, we should really keep them out of the classroom as much as possible. And I just I don't think that's I want a fully if I could, if which is something that I think at least in Colorado, more schools are doing. Try. I mean, I think that's been a movement of like, we want kids together as much as possible. Yeah. I would. I, I if I could advocate, I I think we need teachers like you in the in the mainstream classroom who are going to look at the accommodations and go, okay, these are these are doable and should be done and but go a step further and go but how do I let this student know that their value is intrinsic and how do we integrate um, everybody into the community that is our classroom so I want you staying in the in the regular ed classroom if I get a vote <laughs> um, I know, Anna. What was, what was that? I said noted. Justin <laughs> Hancock has spoken. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, I, uh, this is a different thing, right? Um, I also, um, you know, as humans, we are attracted by nothing so much as uh, <clears throat> fire and car crashes and loud, shiny things. Um, and I think the loudest, shiny, shiniest, horriblest, if I can make up a word, thing that's going on right now is in uh florida like i think everyone who teaches in florida should get a helmet a flag jacket and a, a medal uh <laughs> not dealing with the students yeah 
yeah. for dealing with the the uh, system and things, but it's it's really it's not a neck anywhere. Uh, but I'm curious, and again, I would I would invite you to answer if you want as a queer woman. Do you? look forward to or think about the impact that your openness and your just being in a classroom could have not that you not that you have the capability or would even want to stand up in front of your students and they want to go yeah I'm my name's Rebecca good to be here i'm super queer let's go uh, <laughs> yeah you you can't you can't do it like that but you can have and i'm sure will have an impact on uh, students in, a, in other ways uh, do you do you think about that or and what do you think about if you do uh, i think about that a lot um that's come up in a lot of my when I just am writing for class, because you know you have to have a ton of papers and discussion questions and stuff, and that comes up a lot. Um, <coughs> because while I am in Colorado, which is a pretty blue state, um, and is like overall a safe space, um, I do live in a small rural community, and mm -hmm. the schools that I would one of any one of the schools that I would potentially be teaching at um, is more likely to have a larger conservative community around it. Um, and so I do think about that a lot because I think it's really important for every student for all students to see both themselves represented in the classroom, either through who the teachers are, who are the people that we're learning about in class, like, and who are who is lifted up as like, this person is really important to American history. This person like did this sort of work. And um, so like, I want to be out, but as a teacher, but I want to be out in the same way that straight teachers are out. <laughs> Not in a, I'm up here and here's the queer agenda, hey. 8 a.m. gay dance, uh, like 9, 9 a.m. <laughs> rainbow foods. Like, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not... <laughs> four o'clock sex ed I just like it's not I'm not about I mean I am at a certain age but not for littles I just want to be able to in the same way that like inevitably in an elementary school class we're going to talk about families you're yeah. going to talk about family dynamics you're going to start learning about other people's families look different than mine um I want to be able to just say I am married to a woman that is, I yeah. have a I have a wife and I want to be able to say it 
in the same way that a straight teacher can say, I have a husband. Sure. And so for a student to be able to look and say, even just to think that is a possibility and go, oh, I'm also hungry. <laughs> like, I, like, I just want to be able to exist the mundane life that, that, is, that most straight people live, right? That the, like, yeah. have, you know, and, and I think about that quite a bit because for a lot of students, that's not going to mean anything, right? Like me having a wife might be a fascination for a short period of time, but then it's move on to the, my best friends doing this, my, this book, like, you know, but for, there are going to be queer students. Yeah. Regardless of what their parents think for them, there are going to be queer students. And if they, at a young age, see a person that's a femme presenting person that says, I have a wife and I have a job and I'm living my life, that suddenly becomes a, oh, that's a possibility for me. Yeah. I don't, like, I think if I had had that at a young age, if that had been, been presented to me, I might've come out sooner or realized it about myself if not come out. So I, I, I want, I have the right to just exist in the very boring way that everyone else does. Well, I think what you've said is so deeply important for our, our listeners to understand and for our, what this show tries to do. Um, there's a quote going around right now that within the disability activist space and theology space, the minute we reduce anyone to an issue or a stance, we can then dehumanize them. Mm -hmm. So for you, as a queer, uh, as you said, film, the film say it again back on my I, I just said femme presenting but you can say woman that's okay female let's go with that my dental work that I'm getting done on Tuesday <laughs> is showing I apologize for that listeners <laughs> um, as a queer female presenting person to just say you know I'm queer and I'm not shy about that, but I'm not throwing a pride parade every day yeah. at 7.30 to just want to live your life and be able to bring your, the fullness of your life into your environment is so important. But it, it, those kids are going to see you as a human in a way that they don't see um certain things they hear on the news and I think that's just overwhelmingly overwhelmingly vital yeah right now yeah I agree and finding a way to do that safely 
you know mm-hmm. and that's that's another part of the like how why it's like quote unquote hard to be a teacher there's a ton of reasons why it's hard because to be a good teacher you have to have your fingers in a lot of pies um yeah and then and then if you are not a white able-bodied straight woman um in teaching you have to then fight against you have another thing that you have to be thinking about right of like okay what what else am I going to be dealing with when I move into the classroom Mm -hmm. so so and I for for our listeners I my wife and I have spent last week in in Daytona Beach Florida which if you've got to work a four-day conference anywhere in the world um in a hotel steps from the beach it's not the worst place in the world (laughs) to do it um especially when you bring your preschooler with you um Mm a lot of sunrise breakfast on the beach for lisa Mm -hmm. because we have an early riser which was very cute but I went to uh, work the Disability Ministries booth with my friend from Ohio. Uh, and we, being the somewhat cynical adults that we were, thought this is a convention of 2,500 uh, junior high and high schoolers. We're going to interact with a lot of adult leaders, but the kids probably won't be engaged by what we have to offer. Mm -hmm. Um, And God was like, oh, really? You think so? (laughs) Watch this. Mm -hmm. Those kids were so engaged, so interested, Mm -hmm. and so deeply passionate about caring for all different sorts of people in their churches Mm. Um, we were stunned we were literally flabbergasted there was a group out of I want to say North Dakota that talked to us for a solid 35 minutes standing at our booth and going, wow. okay, what can we do? How can we get involved in our churches? Our church needs to know about this. Do you think we could tell the leadership structure at our church this <laughs> and have a youth member of the leadership council and begin to push disability-related mm-hmm. issues? And we're like, all right, we just need to, the old <laughs> folks, the old folks need to shut up because... <laughs> The, the young people have got this stuff on lock, lockdown. I think that's the other thing too, is, you know, we often as adults, and I, I do this too. I think every adult, we do this. Like you forget how much passion and like openness there is to a lot of kids and teenagers that there's like a level of, <clears throat> I want to learn. I want to be involved. I want, 
they still have the energy and the thought process of I can and will change the world. And that often gets beat out of us like because we go out to change the world. And I think we still can as adults. But I think there's a level of a lot of people, you get beat up by the world and you forget like, oh, right, there was a time. There is a time when yeah. kids are young and they're like, I'm just going to do it. I'm here. And you're, it's almost disarming. You're almost like, I kind of don't know what to do with that energy. <laughs> you like said yes right away. <laughs> um, I mean, I think when kids and teenagers are told you can change the world, here's information for you to do that. They're in. Like most of the time, kids are in. If they are told you have the power, they want to grab <clears throat> that power and run with it. The the funny thing about that is, and uh, two things spring to mind when you said that, both related to the broader conversation we've been having and related mm -hmm. to the the conference. I was just that the uh, the youth minister came and found us later and. She was on board. She's super on board with getting them involved and plugged in and going to help them get into the power structures of the mm. church and was like super sign up for all of our mailing list and wanted to be involved. So really with it. But she came up to our booth and went, what in the world did you do to my children? <laughs> they came and found me and were like, Da, 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 da. I just I was her eyes were as big as saucers and it was amazing but and I think what you're saying is is broadly true for our generation and the generations that followed us or no sorry got that backwards the generations that preceded us mm -hmm. I am choosing to take this in what initially is going to sound like a morbid direction but mm -hmm. is ultimately more hopeful for me because I don't want to think about these kids losing the spark mm. I think there is some of that young fresh idealism that we all have and if we're really lucky we get to carry most of it with us but there's also a real sense of, okay, my generation and the generations surrounding me, the millennial generation and the generations preceding us have really fucked up the world enough. <laughs> and there's other teenagers are like, if we keep going with these chuckleheads, uh -huh. They're going to destroy us, so I guess we have to do it ourselves. Yeah, I, yeah, I, that's, you know what, fair. I think you're right, I mean, maybe it's not as much, I mean, there is some, what do you call it, like the young idealistic spark, but there is a, they do have access to an insane amount of information that no generation has had before at that period of their lives. Yeah. <laughs> And so they've been like seeing all of it and are reacting to it in a way that we never 
had a chance to because yeah. our worlds were so much smaller even when we were like 13 and like the internet was was actively happening like the internet as we know it was like growing Being born yeah yeah but we didn't even know we didn't even we had i think as a kid i had no idea that what it would become where it become like oh this is <clears throat> life now yeah <laughs> so i think I mean, there so there is that take for example two things take for example the climate crisis yeah and and uh oh lgbtqia plus mm -hmm. we had that information available Mm -hmm. And climate change in particular has been happening for a, a real long time in a really severe way. We should have been handling our shit 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but we had that information in a, in a climate where the internet was a thing. And yes, if you look at graphs from, say... 1280 through you know 1990 the information flow is fairly steady upward trend but after about 1990 it's just a solid straight line up mm -hmm. they have my four-year-old knows more about ecology right now <laughs> that I have learned in 42 years of my life. Mm -hmm. So they have it available and they're watching again, go man, the climate change. They're watching us interact with our planet in some deeply unhealthy ways live and on the internet. Um Mm -hmm. And same goes with, for example, disabilities or LGBTQ. They're, they're able to take in a lot more information that for us was gay, was gay kept or yeah. had a gatekeeper in a way that, that just doesn't exist for them in, in the same way that it did for us. And thank God, because they are they're gonna have to live with the planet we leave them and that's why i think this conversation about education and the excitement i'm feeling about the youth um and the gratefulness that i have i can go and truly i'm not trying to be Saccharin, but in five years i can turn to angus and go at least aunt rebecca is a teacher uh really gives me a great deal of hope mm. i think there's a ton of hope in education like i know it it is hard and i think you see a lot of stuff coming in from like lawmakers and everything else but you know what else is there there are teachers that are still going to do the job in the midst of covid in the midst of like i know that there's a lot of teachers that have left and are struggling. But you also have teachers, like for example, when the thing was passed through, I think it's in Florida, 
and I think this will be the thing I'll end on of like there was the thing that passed of like don't talk about they made it a vague enough law so but meant to target don't talk about queer people don't talk about like pronouns yeah. and all that stuff but it was don't vague enough yeah. yeah but it was vague enough because they didn't because if they targeted it too much then it becomes discrimination right um <laughs> but it was vague enough that then you had malicious compliance from teachers who said okay we can't talk about mommies and daddies either now we can't talk about your straight parents because we've been told we can't talk about relationships we can't no i'm sorry you can't call me mrs we can't use pronouns now you can like yeah and the people that were advocating for that bill started protesting the bill because of teacher malicious because of malicious compliance by teachers and it's like we will give you what you want but we're gonna do it in a way that shows you like don't fuck with us <laughs> we're the ones in the classrooms so i do think there's hope and i think that there is i think there's a lot of teachers out there anyone that leaves i understand and that there's no fault but i also think there yeah. are teachers that do have the support systems that have the whatever it is the willpower the something the compulsion as am i that's like i know what i'm getting into and i still want to do it so you can't if you can if you try and kick me out you're in for a hell of a fight so yeah you know i i think there's a lot of hope in education and i hope that change the change that comes is will be hopeful well rebecca Mitch, i didn't really intend to have a pwp back to school special but <laughs> if i was gonna have it with anybody i would want to have it with uh my best friend and i love you and we could like the outro for this show could be 45 minutes of us just talking about you know needing mm -hmm. to see each other more yep but i love you and thanks for really thank you for having this conversation and being willing to come on the show at relatively the last minute and as per usual knocking it out of the fucking park oh, um shucks Oh shit. <laughs> <Ding. laughs> uh, just, just some some crackerjack audio there, I'm sure. Uh, but no, I really do appreciate it. And I think I'll end on um this will drop friends about August, let's see. August 4th, I believe, 4th or 5th. So right in the midst of back to school fever. And if I wanted to end the content of the show with anything, it would be support your teachers, encourage your teachers, encourage your students in your home to encourage your teachers. Um, but but I guess I would say, yes, do it 
in Texas on August 14th when they start school, but make sure you do it in like October and in, uh, you know, February and March and all through the year. Don't just do it in August and then in May when when it begins and ends. Make sure you're you're actively giving love to uh, teachers of all sorts. We are big fans of public education here on PWP because as we went over in the show, uh, the opening public education is huge in our families, yep. but we don't hate on those that choose to teach in the private school or in other scenarios. If you choose to teach, um, hats off to you. Yep. So give some love all year round. Um, well, guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Palsies with Palsies. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, basically anywhere you can get your podcast, you can find Palsies with Palsies. And if you're in a Target or Walmart and you hear or smell the smell of new <laughs> shots, you will see, you will focus on it just long enough to then see a black blackboard and hear <laughs> and hear Rebecca Mitz and I doing the PWP. Houses with Paulie's back to school special. Uh-huh. So that's my preferred way. Try that one and see where that gets you. I will say though, you will have to erase the chalkboard at the end of it. Uh, and if you don't, you will have to stay after class. Absolutely. So thanks guys. Go forward, put some love in the world. And Rebecca Mintz, I love you to death. I love Thank you. you.